Hey, welcome to Everyday Economics, the podcast that helps you learn about the economic world happening around you every day. I'm your host, Chris Krug, president of the 501c3 nonprofit, nonpartisan Franklin News Foundation. Everyday Economics, the production of America's Talking Network. You can subscribe to all of our podcasts at americastalking.com. To support Everyday Economics, please make your tax-deductible charitable contribution by clicking the link in the show description. We are recording this episode on Friday, January 12th. And joining me as always, my partner and friend, Dr. Rorfe Devangi, PhD economist, Dr. O. How goes it, sir? Hey, I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing well. A um, couple of pieces of data that, that that are worth talking about. Of course, you know, the jobs report was out and in December. You know, the economy, you know, uh, per the Department of Labor, uh, says that we had gained 216,000 jobs. I, I have to be honest with you. I did not get into the details on this. I have no idea what percentage of those jobs are government jobs i i haven't i have not so if you want to dis- distill that when we get going here that'd be that'd be terrific yeah no um, no for sure i think that the gains you know government health cares you know some of these sectors construction construction uh is a good thing health care probably also a good thing because ultimately those are sectors that uh lagged in their recovery from uh from the pre the, their pre uh pandemic economy right and so uh, and so, you know, in, in an effort to kind of shrink that gap between demand and supply, the increase in supply there, I think, is wonderful. It will help to lower prices or price growth in those, you know, for those uh, services. Uh, but yeah, the government sector has really, really been strong. And, you know, I, I shouldn't say unfortunately, but perhaps unfortunately, you know, these government jobs tend to be high wage jobs. Uh, and so that's a, I mean, that's a good thing for the people who get those jobs. It's wonderful. But at the same time, it pushes wage growth, nominal wage growth higher. And it's a double edged sword. On one hand, it's good news because lots of people have jobs and they spend more and they have higher wages. On the other hand, higher wage growth, uh, raises the risk that, uh, this inflation could stall, could slow. And, and basically has kind of stopped the decline in yields, right? Or interest rates that, uh, that we saw in December and that then uh, people were expecting, uh, to yeah. continue at the start of this year. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I didn't, I, I didn't want to dwell so much on the, on the, on the jobs and the job numbers, um, as much as I'd like to talk about consumer price index. And, yeah. you know, that number came out. You know, yesterday, you know, we're, we're recording this on Friday, January 12th. The, the data came out on the 11th. The consumer price index increased uh, three tenths of a percent uh, in December. It's from 3.0%. Yeah, for year over year from 0.1% month over month in November, right? So you see this uptake. That's yeah. where I'd like to drill down. So, so can we, can we talk about that and what that means? Well, I think when people see these numbers and the percentages are, are relatively low, that it's like, well, does that mean anything? It does. Yeah, it does. It, it does. Of course. I mean, you think about it, the 0.3% per month, right? Imagine if inflation were to continue like that for the rest of the year, then we'd be way above the Fed's 2% target, right? So, uh, so you got to think about annualizing these monthly, these monthly changes. And so, yeah, so headline CPI, consumer price index, actually increased uh, more than expected. And so you see this acceleration in uh, acceleration in price growth uh, in December. 
again, I think on this podcast, we had basically uh, already kind of, uh, uh, you know, predicted this would happen. You know, I remember back in October, back in November, I said, look, financial conditions are easing so much. They've eased so, so much. You start to see interest rates decline a lot. And that gives the consumer a little bit of breathing room. Now, uh, core CPI <clears throat> was stuck at 0.3% December, the same, the same increase as in November. So consumers maybe are not out there as much more than they were in November. In fact, when you look at uh, the current economic current activity indicator published by Goldman Sachs, it shows basically that uh, December uh, was slightly less hot than uh, November, right? There was still an increase, but slightly less of an increase than November. And so activity is continuing to slow, right? Uh, but but you got commodity price shocks. In fact, the hotter than expected CPI uh, came from a big jump in energy prices in December, right? Uh, the energy index rose 0.4% in December after decreasing 2.3% in November, and so uh, and the electricity index increased 1.3% over a month. So huge increase in energy prices in uh, in December had a lot to do with that. What about the what about the shelter costs? I mean, I'm just, yeah. if you pull this part, if you pull this report apart, and I'm I'm reading directly from Jeff Cox's story at CNBC, which he published yesterday. He's got a paragraph in here that says much of the increase came due to rising shelter costs. The category rose 0.5% for the month and accounted for more than half of the core CPI increase. And on an annual basis, he wrote, shelter costs increased 6.2% or about two-thirds of the rise of inflation. That is correct. Now, there's there's a, there's a much that, unfortunately, the public doesn't know about uh, shelter costs. And that is the fact that the shelter cost in CPI, you know, at least the rent components of shelter in CPI, are uh, are basically uh, survey, right? And so they reflect. What do they reflect? They reflect. Um, they they come in lagged. In other words, when people move, uh, people move. They, they first people move every year or so. And so when people move every year or so, you know, if you take a survey, you're only capturing, you're only capturing, uh, not all of the movers, uh, that moved. And so if rents have come down a ton, right? Uh, you're not capturing, uh, some of these movers that are now facing much lower rents, uh, than they did. Uh, so, you know, rent market rents have actually cooled significantly from their peak back in February of 2022 and they're down down to uh around four the four percent mark for single family rents and even further down on a year over year basis for apartment rents. And so uh and so of course the uh owner's equivalent rent or rent of primary residence in the CPI is going is not going to pick this up for a while, right? It shows up usually with twelve to eighteen month lag, and so and we're, so we're going to continue to see, even though it's still up in the CPI, people on the streets are not facing renters mm-hmm. are not facing these higher rates, and so if you if you account for the fact that 
renters are actually now facing much, uh, you know, rent growth has slowed so much and now renters are not facing the types of rent, the type of rent growth that they were facing before, then the CPI would have come in at about 1.9%. All right. So much lower than uh, what than the figure that's out there right now and also lower than then you know the where the federal reserve bank would actually actually wants uh inflation to be mm-hmm. and so it so you replace that with actual rents and you realize that the economy actually has cooled significantly and a price growth has slowed down a lot uh and basically that it's going to show up eventually uh in the CPI numbers it just hasn't yet now, of course, there are concerns. There are concerns that maybe market rents could be picking up again, right? In a in a month of December, uh, rent growth in November had continued to slow. In the month of December, rent growth picked up a little bit. Market rent growth picked up a little bit uh, on a year over year basis, right? Uh, and so, uh, and so, the question is, you know, I. I you know, picked up. I shouldn't really say picked up. I think it it pretty pretty much kind of like stopped slowing, right? It just stabilized, right? Okay. So rent growth has really stabilized. Uh, it's not coming down all that much anymore. And so the big question is, uh, you know, will we see? You know, how long? First of all, how long will we see? Will it take for CPI to catch up? And the second thing is, could we be seeing an uptick in? Uh, in, in activity and rents, uh, in the new year. Because remember, a tight labor market is linked to more mobility. If people are moving more, because if people are, are, are experiencing higher wage growth, because the labor market's still very tight, uh, and, and, you know, the wages are rising really fast, then more people will tend to move out on their own, right? Uh, and you'll see an uh, an uptick in housing market activity, uh, not just on the for sale side, but you also could see uh, uh, rent growth picking up again. And I think that is the concern: is that if uh, if if interest rates continue to decrease, uh, if financial and credit conditions ease, if uh, the labor market remains very tight as a result, then you could see uh, higher rent growth again. Right, rent growth uh, gaining steam again, and that uh, could delay this disinflationary process uh, tremendously. So, so that kind of sums up. Remember, housing costs make up forty-two percent of core CPI. So, right, uh, very important. Then, housing that housing costs continue to ease into twenty twenty-four. Appreciate your thoughts as always. For Rafael Devangi, this has been Chris Krug. Subscribe to Everyday Economics and dozens of other high-quality podcasts at America's Talking.com. Audible is a great way to gain access to an ever-growing selection of audiobooks. They've got what everyone's listening to, bestsellers, new releases, that story you've been waiting for. Follow the link in our show description to get 30 days of Audible free.